Hello everyone and welcome to Your Best Said Podcast. Today I am so excited to be joined um, with Annie. Annie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just looking outside and it is so miserable, but it's not as dark as it was yesterday, so I feel a bit better about that. It's just yeah. so great all the time. Oh, I know. We've got, we've had, we had snow up here. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, which was lovely. It was really, really nice. But then it was like, it comes with like all the mess that comes with snow as well. But the kids loved it. It was amazing to see them outside. It was Olivia's, like, it was, there was snow last year, but she was too wee. It's her first time, like, kind of picking up snow and playing with it and stuff like that. So it was, um, it was so nice. But it's so cold as well. Oh, I'm like sitting here with like the big long hot water bottle just trying to. <laughs> Honestly, I, I only took my UD off so I could come on this podcast. <laughs> oh I'm so full of that <laughs> um so Annie you like I love your content you're literally like the queen of menopause your stuff on Instagram social media is just amazing so informative um and this topic so we're going to be chatting about perimenopause and um, this has been requested by a lot of my clients um so I'm absolutely buzzing to pick your brains on this topic um, and I have like lots and lots of questions so yeah like let's let's get let's, let's dive, dive in. right in <laughs> let's go for it um so firstly let's just hear a little bit about you like could you maybe like introduce yourself tell everyone like why you're so passionate about helping women through like their menopause transition yeah absolutely so I'm a certified nutritionist and online coach specializing in menopause so I essentially work with women who feel I guess, stuck in their fat loss journey, stuck in their health journey in perimenopause, things are changing, you know, perhaps they're seeing things on their body that weren't there before. They're they're feeling out of control, but it's not just necessarily around food. It might be just around their bodies in general. They don't really recognize themselves anymore. Their mojo is gone. Like there's a lot going on essentially. And I guess it's yeah it's a strange one because I'm I'm not in menopause myself and so everyone always asks so why why do you work in menopause then um you're so young and I'm like well honestly when I first came into this industry after my master's after leaving sort of the science I was a scientist before this um I was working with a lot of women in their sort of early to mid 40s who were all experiencing the same things, right? Like all of these symptoms were going on. There were changes and they didn't recognize. There's that kind of like clash that happens at midlife as well, where there's just so much going on. They've got young or teen kids they're looking after. They've perhaps neglected their own needs for a very long time. And they didn't really understand what was going on with their bodies. And it was the same thing coming up over again. So I recognized the need that there, there just isn't that support out there that there really wasn't um and I think this was before Davina and all of that but it really made me want to lean in and get educated in this space and so I did and I think at the time I was going through my own hormone health journey um with endometriosis which was eventually diagnosed but I spent two years honestly on the floor my my energy was rock bottom. I wasn't having sex because it was so painful. I hated my own body. I hated what it was doing to me. My hair was falling out. There was so much going on that I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with. Um, and the support wasn't there. You know, I was getting turned away from my GP. 
they were literally looking at me gone out <laughs> and you just it made you it made me feel honestly like I was going insane and I know that's a similar feeling when hormones begin to change sort of well it's not just around 40s and 50s is it? it can be it can be earlier than that there are there are teenage girls who are postmenopausal and so really I just wanted to bring my knowledge my experience and help women who are going through exactly that and that's kind of what happens that's where we are now yeah and it's I think like all the stuff you're saying there about like the like education and getting turned away and it can be such a frustrating time as well to feel like you're potentially being fobbed off or to feel like you are almost like downplaying symptoms and things like you're exaggerating these symptoms and I know like speaking to a lot of women in work who are going through like their like perimenopause or menopause um like journey and also like clients as well I think there is a lot of education now there is a lot of knowledge out there and it is it is driven by people like Davina McCall and like Louise Newson as well like like such amazing names in the industry that are like advocating and, and encouraging people to encouraging women to advocate for herself which is great and I think the thing about like like hormonal changes whether that is like perimenopause menopause um like endometriosis things like that like they can there is such a lot of symptoms that go alongside that that a lot of women aren't even really aware of um so a lot of my clients like very recently as well um have been coming to me saying that they are like um explain things like low mood anxiety bloating poor sleep like muscle and joint pain um and like a lot of these things that they didn't really think was anything to do with like perimenopause or menopause and now because there is education out there like well okay this is this is something that I that I have a little bit of control over and it's not just like you have to get on with it like you know you can go you can advocate yourself for yourself you can go and um like try and do some things for yourself um like maybe my first question would be like like maybe letting us know some of the most common I know there's a lot of a lot of symptoms that come come along and is a very individual to each each person but the most common changes like during perimenopause that um, women can experience and especially I suppose when it comes to like fat loss and body image like what they can they potentially struggle with yeah I, th- I think honestly one of the biggest ones which I think pertains to both body image and indirectly fat loss as well is the fat redistribution it's one of the biggest changes that women notice when they go through fluctuating hormone times, right? So in other words, like belly fat. And in perimenopause or menopause, we experience a decline in estrogen, right? And with a decline in estrogen, our bodies start to redistribute fat storage to the belly area. In other words, we lose that typical pear shape. This is really simply, like simply put, but we lose that pear shape and we favor more of that androgen dominant apple shape that is more typical among males. And that's not your fault. You're not doing anything wrong. Um, This is a natural result of hormonal changes. And it's this redistribution of fat as well. And so the excess belly fat, which can lead to excess visceral fat, which is fat stored around our organs. And that fat storage is a risk factor for things like 
uh, fatty liver disease, insulin resistance, which can lead to type 2 diabetes, heart disease. Um, and so that actually goes very much beyond aesthetics. But many of us, including a majority of my clients over 40, have grown up absorbing messaging around thinness being better Mm -hmm. from a very young age. You know, we grew up in societal or even family systems that valued thinness. And one way that was typically measured was by our stomachs, Mm -hmm. right? You know, there was this cultural message that if I'm more thin, I'm more worthy. I'll be more successful. We were stole, we, we were told to strive for a flat stomach, for washboard abs. And your body against your will is moving away from that ideal. And this has a big impact on how you might feel, in, like for a lot of people, how you might feel in your body, how you see yourself. Um, and then it leads to feelings of shame, I guess. Um And so not only is that impacting your body image and the way you feel and the thoughts and the perceptions that you have around your body and perhaps your self-worth and your confidence, but we also know that trying, we we want to then change that, right? We see these changes happening and we immediately think, I don't like this. I want to do something about it. But we know that changing from a place of self-loathing, from a place of hate, um, for our bodies is not great for fat loss either because you end up approaching it from this place of urgency, which will hinder fat loss because you become impatient. You might hold a lot of guilt and shame, which can then manifest through overeating or emotional eating. Your body or your weight dictates your mood and your behaviors. And then you might go to methods that aren't sustainable and end up on that yo-yo cycle. And so honestly, like I think that those physical changes that you might see when it comes to belly fat, when it comes to changes in fat distribution, you know, women described to me having that spare tire, they just don't recognize themselves anymore. That can have a big impact on your body image and fat loss. But I think there are other changes as well, physiological changes, both physical and mental. Um, So the symptoms you might experience would be, you know, night sweats, poor sleep, fatigue, joint aches and pains, um, anxiety, low mood, hair loss, skin changes, irritability, rage, like there's so many things, even like, you know, vaginal dryness, sexual discomfort, memory issues. Like there's so many things that might impact the way you feel about yourself, the way you feel in your own body. A lot of women that come to me feel withdrawn from life, from the things that light them up. Um, They don't feel like themselves anymore. They feel out of sorts in their own body. And indirectly, of course, that has a huge impact on fat loss because of the effect it might then have on your motivation, on your movement, on your ability to engage and engage with and sustain healthful habits and behaviors, Uh, emotional eating, things like that. And then your weight might creep up. You gain more fat around your midsection. And so again, those feelings about yourself and your body are exacerbated. And we end up in this big cycle, I guess. And I make that sound really doom and gloom. (laughs) But I think there is a lot of fear mongering around this time. There's a lot of fear mongering around the inevitability almost of weight gain and these 
changes to your body that you can't do anything about. Like, I think a lot of the time it is painted in that light and it's not true. So, you know, in illustrating all of this, I do hope to make women feel seen, that they're not going insane, that they're not alone, Mm -hmm. but not to make them feel like this is an inevitability and that there's no hope because there is so much you can do to support yourself, to feel confident in your body and also to achieve body composition goals too. Like there is absolutely no reason that that isn't possible for you in perimenopause and menopause. Mm-hmm. Might be a little bit harder because of all the reasons I've just explained. Mm-hmm. But it's important to remember that your body isn't broken and social media, you know, news like news outlets, there's so many people out there that will make you feel like it is and it really isn't. So I'm just going to underline all of that with that big disclaimer. Yeah, and I think like yeah, like so you're like oh it's about doing gloomy stuff, but I kind of think as well to to feel empowered and to make empowering choices, you kind of need to know the good and the bad. Like so, if you so and it's like saying like so this might happen, it might not. Like your symptoms are going to be very different, but these are these are symptoms that you could experience. It doesn't mean you're going to. It's not like the self fulfilling prophecy. Like this is going to happen to you. It's not. But it might, and it it's it, it also means that people, like you say, they don't feel broken. Like they, it's it they they don't feel like it's it's them, and that there's something wrong with them. Um, it's like it is a like a consequence of the hormonal changes that are happening in their body. Um, one of actually like the questions that one of my clients had was about weight gain. Like, what causes weight gain, and is there anything that they like you they can do to avoid it? And I guess like the thing with that is like the the science of weight gain is is it's no different during perimenopause or menopause like to lose body fat you do have to be in a calorie deficit like consistently over time but like what you were saying is that just feels it it can feel harder because of all of the the fluctuating hormones that are happening Mm -hmm. yeah and and that kind of alludes to one of the biggest like misconceptions is that weight gain is an inevitability that there's nothing you can do about it or that it's almost like hormones are directly responsible that but that's not that's not true because Mm -hmm. you know again like you said the laws that govern fat gain and that obviously then govern fat loss do not change because your hormones are changing um, physiologically losing body fat is exactly the same process as it is at any other time in your life, right? That's a calorie deficit. And there's no disputing that. And if anyone suggests anything different then they're, then they're a charlatan and they're usually pushing something, um, like a metabolism program or yes. fat loss supplements or yeah, I don't know, but balancing your hormones, balancing your hormones, so many things. Right. Um, and it's, it's not true. So, you know, like we said, what, can just basically happen is it's these physiological changes that are happening to your body. There's the backdrop on which menopause is almost taking place on, which is like midlife and all of the stresses that are happening at that time. And, you know, what's going on in the world at the minute and your kids and trying to juggle a million plays, like there's so much going on that might be happening in the background of what's going on in your body right now, right? And of course that makes sustaining a calorie deficit or an an energy balance that fits your needs more difficult. Um, And a lot of women will come to me and they say, you know, I've gained, I don't know, 
like 15 pounds over the last year. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why. And that's a, that's a valid, that's a valid concern. And that's a valid point. And again, there's nothing that is majorly shifted in terms of a physiological process that's now made you gain weight out of nowhere. It's not your hormones making you gain weight, right? It's just that there will be some slight changes that have led to a caloric surplus. And that is where the weight has come from. Um, But, you know, you'll hear a lot about, I think, metabolism in menopause. So what we do see is a loss, a decline in muscle mass, um, which is predominantly age related, um, but can be, you know, influenced by changing hormones as well. So we start losing muscle mass from the age of 30 um, and it's harder to build. It's not impossible to build, but it's a little harder to build as your estrogen starts to decline as well. Um, But we know that that can be supplemented by HRT, by eating enough protein and just having a really good resistance training program, right? Um, And that can impact metabolism ever so slightly, but it's not this magnitude that everyone paints it out to be, right? It's not like you've lost all your muscle mass now in perimenopause or menopause and your metabolism has literally crashed through the floor. We're talking sort of sub 100 calories. What's usually more significant that they find in the research is at changes to kind of like spontaneous activity. So your movement in the day. And like we've just said, that might be impacted by so many things. If you're not sleeping, if you've got joint aches and pains, if you've got low mood, if you've got anxiety, you know, there's so many reasons why you might not be moving the same amount that you were even like a year or two ago, right? Before these symptoms started to arise. Mm -hmm. Um, And like we said, you know, healthful habits can fall to the wayside when you're not feeling like yourself. And it's this that contributes to weight gain, which is great to know because it means that there's a solution to it, which is the fundamentals and the calorie deficit and supporting yourself being in that whilst acknowledging that there might be individual circumstances to you that make that more difficult. And that's why I always say one of the most important things to remember about your menopause transition is that is individual to you. Yeah. That is your journey and it's not going to look the same as anybody else's. And it's really important to stop and think about what's going on for me right now, you know? Um, so yeah, if that answers the question. Absolutely, yeah. And I like I think that is just like just reiterating like your journey is going to be so individual. Like and I guess that's like the same for like any kind of like health journey, whether that's fat loss, whether that's muscle gain, or like it's gonna be so individual because we're we all have different lifestyles, we all have different genetics, we have all have different um things that are going to impact us, um like family life, jobs, careers, like stress levels, like elderly relatives as well like and all of this probably comes more like it probably peaks when you are going through like like the ages that you'll go through like these changes because you will have like like you said at the start like you could have like teenage kids or younger kids you could have elderly parents you're probably at the peak of your career as well like so there's lots and lots of things going on um and unfortunately sometimes like for mums as well or for women in general we kind of prioritize ourselves towards the bottom of the the pile which I can totally resonate being like being a mum like my stuff does 
end up going down to the bottom of the pile. And I guess it's like just remembering that like you are important, like your needs are important. And and that's going to be uncomfortable for some people as well, though, like to actually put their themselves because they feel selfish for putting themselves first. Like I had a client check in a couple of weeks ago. She's like, I let a lot of my things slide last week, but I'm going to be selfish this week. And I was like, no, you're not selfish for putting the things that you need to do to make you feel good first. We need to get out of that mindset that we are being selfish for putting ourselves first because we're not. And I think that's a permission thing, right? And so often I say to my clients who, you know, they all come to me with exactly the same thing is, why is it that you feel like you can't give yourself permission to come first, to prioritize yourself? Because I often think it is a permission-based thing as well. It's just, we don't even recognize sometimes that, okay, well, there's a lot going on and maybe we've just fallen to the pile naturally. But I think a lot of the times there is that cultural message that as a mum you should sacrifice, you know, yourself and you're the least important person in in the room if you've got family. And I think as women, we internalize that message as well, that we should sacrifice our own needs for the people around us. And I work with a lot of people pleasers. I've been there myself. Um, and I've come out the other side. And that's a big one as well, right? It's like you say yes to everything. You're one of those yes people. And where does that then leave your needs? Because there's likely you can't, there's no room for it all. Um, and so when we try to take it all on, when we've got, like you said, our careers to uphold, the kids to ferry around, you know, the house to keep in check, there is there's too much and not enough time in the day, it feels like. Yeah. Um, and so where where do you slot in there? Mm-hmm. And and how are you like it's I think honestly, sometimes it is just saying, give yourself permission to put your needs first and prioritize yourself. Absolutely, yeah. And that's hard. It's like, so hard. So hard. So and hard. I think we need to acknowledge how hard that is. And that is going to feel incredibly uncomfortable when you first start doing it. Like I'm, I am a like people pleaser, like, and it is a toxic trait. Like I, as my toxic trait, like I can't say no to people. And I've promised myself like over the past couple of months, I'm going to start saying no. And it has been very uncomfortable very uncomfortable um but I've found that by doing that like me saying no to some things that don't serve me I'm opening up other things that I can say yes to that I feel so much better about and that are so much more aligned with the life I want to leave and my value the life I want to lead sorry my values and things are starting to feel a little bit more did I say balanced (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it, it, it took time and I guess like when you were saying that about permission, I was like, oh, like, yeah, it probably is a little bit about giving yourself permission. And I think the more you do that, the more you realise that you are worthy. So your self-worth increases, your self-esteem, your self-confidence all um, increases because you are, you're seeing yourself as an investment. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, I quite like that because you're like, yeah, I am investing in like my health. And I think sometimes we like perimenopause and menopause, like we often think, it's it's I worry about that later Mm. I think like even for people who are like younger listening like maybe like um like early 30s or late 20s like to be fair that's not really my like ideal client and stuff but um it's about making these changes now like because you can make some changes that are going to serve you in later life um and I think just like but also building up that self worth in yourself, like to to know that you are worthy. 
and I think as well like the the I had seen something and it was a bit like the society like our women like like our age or my age like so I'm 36 with two kids like we are growing up in a, a time we are we have like so we have like family beliefs that are a bit like the mum should be at home looking after the kids looking after the house like we don't we can't there's a lot of pressure on us to like we can't have family and career we need to choose one or the other mm-hmm. and and we have to look after our we have to look after the house the kids it all falls on us and I think sometimes you have like the more traditional I suppose like marital roles and they're maybe like what the roles your parents are in like and so that's like coming down to you but then there's also this drive coming through that women should have these flourishing careers and you want to be career driven and you don't want to lose like business or like your like your work your career because it's it's an integral part of you and you love doing it but you also feel there's like this immense pressure to be able to do them all Um, and I think sometimes when you've got like the pressure from like whether that is internalized like the pressure to to be everything to everyone you always you somehow forget how you fit into that but you can't really be everything to everyone if you're not looking after yourself well yeah exactly it goes back to that um that's that what's that wording around you putting your own oxygen mask on before you see to everyone else right and that might resonate a lot especially with mums especially with you know when you are the primary caregiver or you know whatever that you can't be there a hundred percent for everyone else if you're operating from an empty cup. And, you know, whilst you also deserve point blank as a human being to look after and care for your own needs, you know, the people that depend on you also depend on you being, you know, operating at your full or fuller capacity too. And so often, you know, I get my clients, especially mums to, to think about, well, you know, how is you being in a low mood? How is your current situation with your body image, your energy levels, your health right now impacting not just yourself, but the people around you, your relationships, your family, your partner, and tapping into your values in that respect and why it is important to start setting boundaries and protecting your energy so that you can protect your mood, so that you can be a nicer person to be around, so that your kids get the best part of you at the end of the day, um, not the dregs at the end of it. And 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 thinking about that kind of stuff as well. There's a really great book, and it's an audio book on Spotify as well, called, what's it called? Pleasing Yourself, I think. Let me find it. Yeah, no, Please Yourself, How to Stop People Pleasing. It's by Emma Reed Terrell. And she... Don't know if you've heard of Elizabeth Day, who writes Magpie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, love her. She's amazing. So she runs that How to Fail podcast, but she also runs another podcast with Emery Terrell, who's her best friend and psychotherapist, um, called Best Friend Therapy. I can't say that because it's too many Fs in the first. Yeah. <laughs> best Friend Therapy, and it is brilliant. Like they, it's like live therapy that she conducts, but they do one on people pleasing, on mum guilt. Like there's so much that they do it on um so she has a book and a podcast so check those out because they're really really brilliant for this stuff um please yourself is amazing 
I've just written them down like I need them in my life yeah no they're so good and I love audio like I love that it's an audiobook on Spotify as well because I don't have to pay for it I don't have to use one of my audible credits (laughs) and I just get to stick it in you know when I'm walking or when I'm at the gym and I love it like ah yeah she's and her voice as well is so soothing so yeah you need to get on both of those things absolutely and I quite like that reframe as well especially when you maybe are struggling to put yourself first um and it's about reframing it like you will maybe even initially like you're not you're not just doing it for you you are doing it for everybody around you like Mm -hmm. because your kids deserve to get the best of you or your your partner deserves to get the best of you and like if you are suffering with like things like low mood irritability like you've maybe had not like not had the best sleep like what are some things that you can do in your day and I guess that's trial and error isn't it like so the research shows like exercise can help with a lot of like menopause and perimenopause symptoms but a lot of times you maybe don't feel like exercising but I suppose it's like pushing yourself to do it even though you don't feel like it like because you know the benefits that are going to be and I guess like I really want to tap into like self-compassion um, and how that plays a role in like perimenopause and menopause like transitions and journeys because there are two sides of self-compassion. There's the nurturing side and there's the fierce side. Mm-hmm. And they both have to play like an equal part. Um, so maybe you could like, maybe let's like, can I chat a little bit about that? Yeah. And I think one thing that comes up here is one thing I notice tends to dip or slide in perimenopause or some of the clients that come to me is that motivation piece, right? You know, I'm trying all the things, but I just can't stick to it. Every time the scale doesn't move, then I just lose motivation or they're tired, they're fatigued, they're not sleeping that great. They're feeling all of these things within their own body, right? And that impacts motivation in a way, the, the that kind of essence of uh, that drive, I guess it's that oomph, right? Um, and I want to flip that on its head because when you're feeling that way, when you're not feeling that great, it is going to take a you actually doing the thing that you know you need to do in order to make yourself feel better. And so that's almost like a permission thing as well, is like give yourself the permission to act when you really don't feel like it, because that is compassion. And like you said, that's fierce compassion. That's that really strong side of compassion um, that sometimes we don't use often enough I don't think and a lot of the time we're waiting for motivation we're waiting to feel better but you need to take action in order to get that to get get to that place right Mm -hmm. um and so it's partly that but stop waiting for motivation and I guess tap into compassion instead start thinking about not what you feel motivated to do because that's likely very little if you've only slept for two hours and you're going through insomnia and you know, you're feeling all of the feels, right? That's likely not going to support you. What will support you is tapping into compassion and actually what is the most compassionate thing for me right now? Is that skipping my gym session? Is that staying on the sofa and not going out on a walk, you know, when it's blue skies out there and whatever, (laughs) if that's at all happening for you in the UK. Um, (laughs) I think there are some days where it's blue, but what's the most compassionate thing? Yeah. Is it staying on the sofa? Is it skipping your workout? Is it skipping your walk? Or is it actually putting your coat on, you know, putting your fluffy earmuffs on and, and getting out there, knowing at the end of it that you're going to feel better. And I think ask yourself that question as well. When I've done this action, when I've taken this step, 
am I going to feel better or worse? And let that decision guide you. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes as well, there's enough to be said about not thinking, but just doing. Doing you. That's something there's, and there's like those three things there. I tend to kind of keep on rotation because different things will resonate with different people at different times. Sometimes I'll wake up on a day and I'm really overthinking going to the gym. I'm really overthinking getting out on that walk. I'm questioning myself. I'm umming and ahhing about it. I've spent more time deliberating whether I'm going to do it versus actually it would have just been done by now if I just got out and done it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm like, okay, in those situations, don't think, just do. Get out there. You know you're going to feel better for it. Um, and then the other times it's like, you know, really, what is the most compassionate thing for me to do right now? Mm-hmm. And it mo- genuinely might be going for a nap. Genuinely might be staying in that day if you feel that rotten. And then ask yourself that question, you know, am I going to feel worse doing this or not? Mm-hmm. And lead by that, like trust yourself to stop looking for motivation, but being able to take action without it, you know, knowing that you're going to make the best choice for you in that moment. And I yeah. think building that evidence with yourself is really important from that place of compassion. Yeah, because I think like a lot of people, like, they, when they hear compassion, they're like, they just they just automatically think of like the nurturing side of compassion. So they're like, well, if I'm like, really nice and really gentle with myself like I'm not going to make these changes like these that's not going to happen like I have to be really tough I have to be really harsh like I have to speak down to myself that's the only way that I'm going to change and it's like is it Brenny Brown it's like you you don't change from a change from a place of shame like you don't Mm. make these changes by completely berating yourself and, and talking yourself like treating yourself like a piece of shit like you make these changes from a place of respect a place of self-worth a place of like loving your body like as cheesy as that sounds like but but you also have to you have to learn and actually learn to listen to your body and what your body needs and because like a lot of the times especially going through like these these changes and transitions like you're not going to feel like doing the things that you need to do and that you you know that your future self is going to thank you for like you're not so that is about pushing through sometimes and stopping procrastinating like just getting out and doing it or even just telling yourself like something I like to do is just say to myself like you only have to do five minutes like just mm-hmm. put your shoes on and go out do your warm-up or just go out a five-minute walk that's all you have to do but sometimes just that it's the it's the action that drives motivation it's the action that comes first exactly. actually getting out starting doing whatever you've you've told yourself to need to do nine times out of ten you're going to you're going to follow through and you're going to do like the full workout you're going to do like a longer walk um, and something that a, a couple of my clients have been doing that I, I like I love as well is they've been tagging on something that they don't always want to do with something that they really enjoy. So I had a client last week who who she got a top delivered and she really wanted to open it and see what it was like, but she needed to go a walk. So she's like, I can't open that top until I've went my walk. And she really didn't want to go a walk, but it was it was known that that top was there ready for her to open when she got back that drove her to to do it which I love yeah. oh yeah exactly that and also like okay so there's something that you don't want to do how can you combine that with something that you do really want to do for example the whole audiobook thing right yeah. I'm like okay can I really I don't really want to go on a half an hour walk in the miserable gray outside right now but I really want to listen to that next chapter of that book or you know whatever it is And so, or I'll go get a nice coffee or what, you know, whatever is out on that walk that you can do both. And so I'll tap into that and it's like, okay, well, you know, I need to do the walk, 
you know, that's what's best for me. And I want to listen to my audiobook. So that's what's going to drive me in getting out the door. Yeah. Um, yeah, hundred percent. That was um it's like a habit stacking, isn't it? Like um, yeah, yeah. James Clear, that, that yeah. atomic habits, that book's atomic amazing. Habits. Yeah. But that's how that's how I got into like walking. Um, because I didn't really like walking, like it, I felt it, it was a bit, I was like, oh god, like this is just another thing that I need to do in my day. Like and that it was like I got into podcasts and I got into audiobooks and stuff, and now like genuinely there is not a day that goes by like I will go out and re- walk in the pissing rain the snow like doesn't matter what the weather's like because it is such an integral part of my day that my day feels wrong if it's not there but mm-hmm. I've built that habit up over time so that I'm talking like that was like seven eight years ago and now it's like it's it's now an integral part of my life I absolutely love it I love being outside and it improves my mood like the, for me there's nothing that can't be fixed by a walk and it doesn't have to be a long walk. Like sometimes even just taking the bins out is enough for me to flip my mood. Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah, no, so agreed. And I, I think one thing to kind of, this is a mindset shift, I think that's really important for anytime you're struggling or perimenopause, especially when things are just fluctuating and changing. But, you know, I think a lot of us operate on that all or nothing scale, that black and white, that, yeah. you know, I've got to go get that hour-long workout done today but I just can't fit it in or just I just really can't bring myself to do an hour really can't bring myself to do that session because it's that session and you know that sort of thing and it's like well where can you meet yourself in the middle because why does it have to be all or nothing why does it have to be the hour-long workout or I don't go at all or you know why can't it just why can't you meet yourself in the middle and, and operate on that sliding scale that dimmer switch as opposed to that on off right and I love that analogy all the time but it's like even the other day <laughs> you'll know Rebecca right yeah um, yeah she's like my bestie so I said to, she was like why you, you know you want to do all of these things in the morning but you realistically don't have the time because you've got to be at this place at 12 she was like why don't you just throwing this out there why don't you go for breakfast see your friend do a shorter one, go to the gym and do half your session today and then do the rest of the half on on another day. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. (laughs) And so I did. And I felt great because I wasn't, you know, sacrificing it. But even if it's like, you're coming from a place of, I'm actually just really tired and I really can't be bothered. And you know, it's the most compassionate, fiercely compassionate thing for you to do. Then why don't you go out for a 10 minute walk as opposed to your half an hour walk? You know, why don't you just move your body on, I don't know, a, a step that da- just dance. I just put that on YouTube. Now. It's like, it, it, it's like throwback to when we used to have the Wii, um, <laughs> the Wii console, but we just put it on YouTube and just like have a dance to Rasputin now. Like what, like, why does it have to be me, you know, going out for two hours, slogging all the way to the gym? Cause it's a bit far for me and it doesn't have to be that way. But, you know, some of it is like, well, I do need to hit my non-negotiables, right? I do need to train three times a week. I do have to get out there. But it doesn't always have to be this all or nothing thing. And starting to think instead of more of a sliding scale Mm -hmm. as opposed to everything is so black and white and there's nothing in the in-between. Start looking for what's in the in-between. And again, you might need to call yourself out sometimes and be like, I need to meet certain minimums if I want to achieve whatever it is I want to achieve. Fine, we have acceptance of that, you know, we can take ownership of that. But there are times where 
it might not be realistic to go 100% every week. And so where can you meet yourself on that scale where you're still moving the needle, but you're not completely writing everything off? Because that's when we just exist on this yo-yo all of the time. And that is not gonna, that mindset is just not gonna support you when there are so many challenges coming your way, either because you've got so many commitments going on right now, because life is so busy, because you don't know whether you're gonna get a decent night's sleep tonight or not, you know? And that is the mindset to start approaching and starting to get even comfortable with if you're not in perimenopause, right? It's something I have to apply to myself all the time because my anxiety is through the roof at the minute. And so I don't know whether I'm going to get a good night's sleep or not. You know, I don't know whether I'm going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and then my day is really going to need to shift the following day because I'm not going to meet my expectations. But I think a lot of the time we have these expectations for ourselves. We have these things that we need to hit. And if we can't hit them, it's like that perfectionism that, well, you know, I'm just going to write the week off. There's no point. What's the point even trying if I can't hit it hundred percent. Okay. Let's, let's scrap that mindset and start operating on that sliding scale instead. Absolutely. I, I, I absolutely love that. Cause I, I do think that mindset holds so many people back, like so many people, because you just like, you cannot live in extremes like life is not an extreme like life happens in that messy middle ground between like on it and off it or like that mentality so you need to learn to live in that messy middle ground however that looks for you and something that I've been chatting a lot about with clients especially at this time of year is getting like uncomfortable in that in that middle ground like because you cannot do like you cannot with the best will in the world do absolutely everything like you can and that is something that I learned the hard way like through having kids because my life is very different now to what it was like five years ago like five years ago I was like deep in like the crossfit athlete mentality like training five six times a week like I could recover because I could have good night's sleep like that was that was a like a constant for me like minus shifts I suppose but like I kind of I had control over that like and then boom I had kids and I was like I have no control over how many hours sleep I'm getting what quality that sleep is going to be what's going to be thrown up in in the following day are they going to be ill are they going to be like fighting all day like they're doing just now and driving me mental and (laughs) meaning like I'm like an absolute crabbit bitch by the time my husband comes home and I'm like you need to take them um but these are like these so I was like I cannot do the things that I used to do like with the like and I guess that's something as well like to, to think about as well especially when when you're going through like these transitions is what you did before like it you might not be able to do that now and it's mm. just like letting go of that that was a big thing that I had to go through because after I had Archie I just assumed that I was going to fall back into my life before and it was it, it was a long and um emotional and like painful journey actually to to realize that you're not the same person anymore and Mm -hmm. what you what you did before you cannot do again and what I had to do to actually move past that was move gyms um like leave the gym I was at because I couldn't go and and be there around like people who were competing and stuff like that because it was too triggering yeah like I probably like and had to like make that sacrifice for me for my mental health um to move forward and for like I'm I'm now at the other side I'm now okay with that messy middle ground but it did take time and I find sometimes especially with social media and especially um like people see 
like maybe women of similar ages and they're doing all these things and they're like why can I not do that yeah and it's like what or why can't I why can't I do the things that I used to be able to do before and it's probably because like things are changing and you have to accept that and learn that there might have to be a new approach now that mm-hmm. suits you mm-hmm. uh, yeah I think there's a lot there uh, especially I resonate hugely with the CrossFit mentality because CrossFit is an identity right mm-hmm. and I was I was in that realm for years yeah. and we trained hours a day hours mm-hmm. and hours a day and that was when I didn't have any responsibilities. I didn't run my own business. You know, I was at university and I could pre- I could pretty much waltz in and out of that space and do incredibly well, which people used to get very annoyed at. But I, I could and I could spend the rest of my day training. You know, it that and that was my identity. And then I went into Olympic weightlifting. And again, that sort of became my identity as well. And when that gets taken away, and this especially got taken away when I was going through all of my stuff with my body, it's almost like we're fighting our own expectations of what our life should have looked like or what we should be able to do as if life is never going to change. Things are never going to change for us. And it's like, things are always going to change. Like you don't know whether you're going to be in the same place next year. Like anything could happen. We cannot fight change. It's literally, they they say this, right? It's the only constant in life is that change is going to happen. And so getting comfortable with change, you're starting to think about why am I so uncomfortable with a different reality here? And like I said, it's acceptance. It is accepting that life looks a bit different now, that your body is throwing different things your way, that things are changing. But the more we resist that, the more we reject getting the support or meeting ourselves with the support that we need to get through that time. And I think start questioning the language that you're using, right? Why can't I do that anymore? Why shouldn't I, you know, the shoulds, the shouldn'ts, the can'ts, the can't do's, the wrongs, the rights, you know, start challenging that language and the comparison language that might come up when you're reflecting back to an old, like a past version of you, right? I think that's really important is just start noticing some of the words that might come up that are bringing about that comparison. Mm-hmm. And can you transition into a more acceptance-based and supportive of you now style of language that's just a bit more balanced, that meets you where you're at, that doesn't provide this resistance, but instead acceptance of what can I do right now? What is within my control? What is What am I working towards now based on where I am currently at rather than I need to get back to x y and z it's that language that we want to avoid Mm -hmm. and I I guess it's like the it's more it's like the focus on what you can do and what you like what you can so it's like that abundance mindset instead of thinking like I I can't do that anymore because of x and y okay well you have no control over that you can't do that now like for whatever reason but what can you do like, and it's, I guess it's like, again, like moving away from that all or nothing. Okay, so you can't do four one-hour workouts a week, but you can do like maybe five 20-minute workouts a week kind of thing. Like you're still doing something towards your goals or whether that's like three 10-minute workouts, like you're still doing something. You're still showing up for yourself. You're still building consistency. You're you're still creating that momentum. You're you're showing up and showing yourself that you are worthy of these changes. They just It just doesn't look the same as what you did before, but that's okay. Like it's totally fine. Um, 
I'm very conscious of time. So I've had a couple of client questions I thought we could maybe just quickly um so first one is well this is quite a this is quite a big one but um, are there any other different supplements you should should take um, during perimenopause uh vitamin d like just hands down um Mm -hmm. especially between october and april like everyone should just be taking it if you're in the uk or i don't know a cloudy country um (laughs) because we're just not getting that from the sun and that's very important for bone health because we know that is potentially compromised or is compromised especially if you're not taking hrt so that um omega-3s if you're not getting you know two to three portions of oily fish a week i would definitely recommend omegas um and then i think everything in addition to that is just gonna be individual to the person Mm -hmm. there's not much in terms of like evidence-based you should be taking this other than creatine right so if you especially if you're resistance training creatine is going to be really important to support your muscle mass and to support you in building that muscle that you need for your body composition course for your health for longevity when you're in when hormones are starting to fluctuate and making that a little bit more difficult so creatine vitamin d and amigas most definitely um Everything else, so like magnesium for sleep might be helpful. And again, there's always a might with it. Might be helpful, um, might not. And and again, it's like this trial and error. Turmeric might be helpful for joint pain. It might not. Um, So it really is trial and error. But like, if you want to reach out to me and ask me, like I'm more than happy to answer any questions on that specifically. There's also a little bit of research as well with creatine that it can help with like brain fog and things like that as well. So yeah yeah that is emerging now um so yeah for sure yeah um next question was i get deep pain almost feels like it's in my bones hips and thighs should i stretch more try to build more muscle or rest more during these points um i think that's going to be individual again Mm -hmm. but i think this might be a trial and error thing right so is there a reason that you feel like you might not be giving yourself enough chance to recover as in like recovery should be something you're looking at. If not, then possibly not. But I think creatine might really help here. Um, Again, it's like sleep hygiene because if we don't get enough sleep, then we're automatically more achy anyway. Mm -hmm. So how is your sleep? Um, Protein, getting enough protein to support kind of muscle growth and recovery. Um, Also like fuel, like carbs. Like, you know, there's a big thing about you need to cut out carbs in menopause and you absolutely don't um so making sure that you're fueled that you're eating enough um and again hrt might help support joint pain it's like a yellow if there was a traffic light system for like indications for hrt then joint pain is on the kind of like yellow spectrum um so that might that might help as well so that's worth a discussion with your gp but yeah amazing Thank you so much, Annie. Thank you so much for your time. And this has been such an amazing, amazing podcast that I know so many people are going to benefit from. Last question is just where can people find you if they do have any questions? So my Instagram is just just where to find me. So my Instagram is at A Ellis Nutrition. And you can find me there. Um I will um pop it in the show notes as well so people can click to find you. But thank you so much for your time. And thank you for having me. I've loved it. It's been so good. Um, And I will speak to you soon. Bye, Eva. Bye.